Well, the song I'm going to sing is called How Deep the Father's Love. And, oh, it's going to bring us right to the cross and what Jesus did for us. And, you know, we just had Thanksgiving, and I know that we have all been through hard times. And just where the state of the world is right now, it's difficult in so many ways. But we have Christ, and we have a hope, and we have a future, and so we have so much to be thankful for. So this song is just going to help us to remember what we have to be thankful for in Jesus. Deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He would give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory church has a lot of life in it, doesn't it? That's the future of this church right here. Did you see that? That's really awesome. Well, I'm really honored to be here. I feel like I'm a member by marriage. 
Is that possible to be married into the membership here? <laughs> but I always enjoy coming to the Fort Bragg Seventh-day Adventist Church, and man, you're going to really miss Roland, aren't you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, I remember Roland uh, 15 years ago. He made an impression on me just so many years ago, Roland, and you've, made it, you've left a legacy here, man, and you're off to establish a legacy somewhere else as well. Hopefully. <laughs> but I'm just so blessed to be here, and I wanted to start with a word of prayer, just inviting Jesus, thanking him for being here with us. Heavenly Father, it is so good to be in your house today on the Sabbath. It's so good to hear the testimonies, uh, praises among your congregation, to see all these young people coming forward, to hear about mission work. And Lord, it's also um, bittersweet because Roland is is moving on. You're sending him somewhere else to, to raise up a, another legacy there of ministry and love to others. And I pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon this man and his family. We love you, Jesus, and we turn this time over to you. Help us to understand your word. But most of all, God, fill us with your spirit today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I heard a story some time ago about a, um, a uh, little boy that was standing outside of, his, outside of the church foyer one day. He was looking at this big old... Uh, big old uh, kind of like big thing with uh, all kinds of pictures of people who had died in the, in the service, in the military, right? And, and they, had just, they were kind of taking some time to really celebrate all the things that they have done. Do you have people in your life that have fought in the military? You know about the, the great work that they're doing? So they had a big, big mural up there or whatever, kind of a symbol of all those who had died in the service. And the little boy was sitting out there as people were leaving the church. It was a large church. He was standing out there looking at the mural, looking at the big picture up on the screen in, in front of him. And, and uh, Everybody had left, and finally the pastor came up to him and said, what are you looking at? And the young man said, I'm looking at the picture. And he said, uh, what is this, pastor? And the pastor said, this is a picture of all the people who have died in the service. And the little boy looked at the pastor and said, was it the early service or the late service, pastor? <laughs> That's not, not really cool, but unfortunately, that would be a lot funnier if it wasn't true about a lot of churches. A lot of churches are what? unfortunately dead. And the, and the Bible tells us that that would be the case in the last days. But I want to show you how, if you haven't already, how you can become a living, vibrant, empowering church. Amen? Amen. We're going to take a look at that from the Bible and how you can also be a living, empowering Seventh-day Adventist Christian as well. Um, Satan's worst nightmare. How would you like to give the devil nightmares at night? Wouldn't you love that? How would you like to be a holy terror to the devil? Do you know you can be? You can go Osama bin Laden on the devil and terrify him here in Fort Bragg or wherever you live. You want to find out how? Well, here's a great little quote that I really love. It's from Review and Herald, March 22, 1887. I love this quote, and let's read it together. There is nothing that Satan fears so much as that the people of God shall clear the way by removing every hindrance so that God can pour out his what? Spirit upon a languishing church and an impenitent congregation. When the way is prepared for the Spirit of God, the blessing will come. Amen? That's some good news, isn't it? You want to scare the devil, what you need to do is you need to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's that simple. Just recently I heard you had a big evangelistic series. Sent out flyers everywhere, got one of the best preachers that I know of in the denomination to come here and preach at our church. And you know you got the devil trembling in this town, right? But if you want to make the devil tremble even more than when he was here, get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Every single last one of you get filled with God's Holy Spirit, and that will be a holy terror to the devil, even more so than what Jack accomplished here. How many of you appreciated Jack's messages? I heard they were dynamic. But if you really want to terrorize the devil, according to this quote, you and I 
as a church and as individuals, need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how you give the devil nightmares. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we have this incredible passage, a powerful one that people, you know there's how there's words in the Bible that we go by real quickly and we don't pay attention to? The one word that we skip in this verse is the word after. Can you all say after? after. Let's read it together. But ye shall receive power before, right? After. You shall receive power, what? After. after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be what? You know, it's impossible to be a witness before you receive the Holy Spirit. You can only be a witness for Jesus after you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, witnessing and sharing your faith is supernatural. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of churches are trying to do it. They're trying to reach their communities. They're trying to do evangelism. They're trying to give Bible studies. They're trying to share their faith before they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's pretty frightening when you think about what this verse is saying. But ye shall receive power, shout it out, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall what? Does it say you'll do witnessing? It says you'll become a witness. You will become a walking, talking, breathing evangelist for Jesus Christ. You'll become it after you receive the Holy Spirit. It says unto me both in Fort Bragg, right? Los Angeles, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So a lot of times as churches, we're trying to do things that cannot be done naturally. You need a supernatural strength. Just like it's impossible to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to share your faith vibrantly, what we're talking about here, being a witness for Jesus, unless you're first baptized with the Spirit. I want to give you some examples of some people that uh, before they received the Spirit, they were pretty wimpy. Gideon, what a wimp. The guy was hiding in a cave with his little garden. You can see him out there with his plow, plow, working all by himself in a little quiet place. He was scared to death of the Midianites. But the Bible says that after the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, then he blew the trumpet and he gathered 300 Israelite Spartans together and invaded the Midianites and defeated them. Amen? Before he was powerless, after he received the Holy Spirit, he gathered an army together. No wonder the devil's scared of you getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. You may think you're a wimp and you can't accomplish anything and you're kind of a fearful person, but one of the neat things that we find when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, I don't care who you are, he gives you holy boldness. He gives you an incredible love for God and an incredible desire to reach lost people. Amen? So here you have Gideon. He was a real wimp. Let's take a look at King Saul. We know about him. When they elected him to be king, they couldn't find him anywhere. Remember that story? They looked everywhere for him. It was time for his inaugural address. They couldn't find him. They had to get a prophet to tell him where he was at. Prophet Samuel said, oh, I think I found him hiding, hiding inside the baggage claim. So they went looking for this great, mighty leader hiding in the baggage claim. Saul was a wimp, just like you and I are. We're scared to death to share our faith. We're scared of death to see the kingdom of God grow. But guess what he did? The Bible says that when the Spirit of God came upon Saul, after Saul received the Spirit, when he heard this news and his anger was greatly aroused. When was the last time you got angry about the fact that God's kingdom doesn't seem to be growing in this area? When was the last time you went to the bookstore and you realized that the occult and spiritualism has this entire city under oppression? When was the last time you got angry, not because somebody cut you off on the road, but you saw God's kingdom going backwards when it should be going forward? When was the last time you stood up late at night saying, you know what, we should have had a church in Mendocino a long time ago? I didn't get any amens on that one, but all right. 
You see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he got angry for the Lord, right? And he went and attacked the Ammonites and drove the Ammonites out of there and rescued God's people, amen? There are people all over this town like this dear woman here who are lonely looking for the kind of love and fellowship that you guys have here. I tell you what, I've been to a lot of churches and I haven't seen so many people love each other like I saw you do today. And she's right on. This is a special church, isn't it? But there's other people that are lonely too that need to be a part of this. And it should make us angry that they're not. And angry that the devil has held them under oppression for so long and want to see them be set free. How about Samson? Now I know he was into... P90X or whatever else. He was a tough guy, right? But I don't care how strong you are. I don't care what kind of a bodybuilder you are. You can't tear a lion in half. Can you? The lion's going to tear you in half way before that happens. But look what happens. After the Spirit, everybody say after. After the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, Samson, and he tore the lion apart. No wonder the devil's scared to death you get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says he's a ferocious lion looking for those who can desire. How would you like to tear the devil apart metaphorically, spiritually? Amen. Destroy his influence in people's lives and in this city. Well, you've got to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. It can only be done supernaturally by God's Spirit. Amen. I mean, I'm sorry. A lot of churches, they don't need the Holy Spirit. I'll just be honest with you. A lot of churches don't need the Holy Spirit. They've got no desire to do anything for God, so they, they, they can function in the flesh fine. But if you have a vision to see great things happen in this community for Jesus then you will realize right away that it can only be done by supernatural power, which comes by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Am I right? Yes. So oftentimes as churches, we wonder why we keep getting beat up by the devil. Well, we're functioning in the flesh, not in the spirit. We haven't been baptized. We're going before we've received the anointing, and we wonder why we get in the retreat all the time. By the way, did you know at the cross we already won? The devil got his teeth kicked out at the cross. He's a devil with no teeth. And yet he can get us to think he does through his lies, but we have the truth, praise God, the word of God that exposes the lies, don't we? Amen. See, the devil's power is only in telling lies, not in telling the truth. How about Jesus? Jesus became one of us, didn't he? Yeah. The Bible says that he needed the Holy Spirit. He functioned in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the great works he had done. Let's read this together. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about what? doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So before Jesus, before receiving the Holy Spirit, did Jesus do good works and healings? The Bible says he needed the Holy Spirit to be able to do the works that we are able to do today, amen? You see, Jesus became one of us to show us how to live a holy life. He also became one of us so, how, so we could know how to become a holy terror to the devil like he was. Well, I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, as individuals and corporately as a church, the devil trembles and shakes because he knows that he's dealing with a force he cannot stop. In the upper room, thousands of years ago, there were only 120 people in the upper room. Think about that. In three years, they had reached the entire Roman world. In 300 years, Christianity became the predominant religion of the world, all because it started an upper room experience where they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Pretty exciting. It went viral, 3,000 in one day, two years. I kind of got my statistics messed up. Uh, the, the early church went viral. It says after they received the Spirit, 3,000 in one day, two years all of Asia, 30 years all of Rome, and in 300 years what? Predominant religion of the world. That's how fast Christianity works. And if, if a church like the Fort Bragg Church receives the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, watch out for what God can do to the enemy. I want to share this vision from Spirit of Prophecy that just really, really moves me. This little lady 
years ago who I believe had the gift of prophecy. Amen? This woman had a vision for what would happen when the Spirit of God came upon the Seventh-day Adventist church. This is for us. This is the vision that we were given by a woman of God filled with the Spirit. Listen, let's read it together. In the visions of the night, representations passed before me of a great reformatory movement among God's people. Pretty neat, huh? The sick were what? Healed. And other miracles were wrought. A spirit of intercession was seen, even as was manifested before the great day of Pentecost. Hundreds and thousands were seen visiting families and opening before them the word of God. Hearts were converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, and a genuine spirit of con a genuine conversion was manifested. Isn't that pretty neat? What is she saying is, after the Spirit of God, the latter rain comes upon God's church, there will be healings and signs and wonders in the church. Not only that, you won't have to twist people's arms to come to prayer meeting. There will be an incredible spirit of intercession as people are beginning to move to pray for their lost friends and family and for their leaders and for their community. Amen? Yeah. Right now, all we've got is people shaking fists at, the, at our political leaders instead of praying for them. The Bible says we're not supposed to talk bad about them. We're supposed to what? Pray for them is what the Bible says. But you see, the problem is we're not filled with the spirit because if we were, we would have the spirit of intercession. We would begin to pray that God would raise up a church in Mendocino. That God would reach the people within this local community. That he'd break the stronghold of the enemy on our, on our, on our bookstores and all around this community. We'd be serious about prayer. In fact, I want to tell you something right now. In my churches, before I choose a leader to serve in my church, I look in the prayer meeting to see where our leaders are. If a leader does not attend prayer meeting, I don't choose them to be a leader in my church. Because I know when the Spirit of God comes upon that church, if that person has not received the Holy Spirit, they will war against what God wants to do. What we need is to raise up a generation of leaders who aren't afraid to pray. Because, you see, when the church gets together to pray, that's when the power of the Holy Spirit comes down upon them. It's amazing. Uh, I, I just I wanted you to point that out. They were all in one accord and what? They were all in one accord and what? In one place. Acts chapter 2. They were in one accord. They weren't in scattered different places. They were in one accord in one place together praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it came. And they rocked the world for Jesus. And that can happen. It's already happening. We have a wonderful message as a church, don't we? It's a message, and I appreciate the elder. He kept saying this over and over again in his prayer and his children's story. It's Jesus and Jesus only. Our message is very simply this. Jesus and who he is, God's son. Jesus and what he did, died on the cross for the entire world. By the way, do you realize the entire world has the, has the assurance of salvation if they want it? Jesus bought salvation for every human being on planet earth. All they have to do is simply accept what he's done. If you came today and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not good enough to be saved, well, you're in the right spot. You need to go to Jesus as you are. Don't wait till you get everything together. Go to him as you are and ask him for the salvation he wants to give you as a free gift. Come on. We've got a wonderful message of who God is, what, uh, Jesus and who he is, Jesus and what he's doing, Jesus and what he will do. Good news, isn't it? Do you realize right now that at Seventh-day Adventist Church, one of our, mes our message that's unique from all other churches, it's not the Sabbath. There's other churches that believe in the Sabbath. But in Daniel chapter 8, verse 14, we believe that starting in 1844, a great judgment period happened in heaven. We are living in the judgment hour. Destinies and decisions for all eternity are being made right now. And that's the message that we have that's so unique that we tell the world that judgment has started. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. This is amazing. The good news is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So the judgment is not scary because there's no condemnation because we're where? We're in Christ. 
The problem is the world doesn't know the judgment hour has begun. They don't know that we're living in the last days beginning in 1844. And they don't know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's the message we're supposed to be telling the world right now in these last days. Telling them to come to Jesus. It's the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. That's exciting. When the Holy Spirit came upon the Acts 2 church, they, they began to really care for one another, didn't they? You know, one of the things that attracted people to that early church was how they treated each other. You know, I've noticed that some churches are really nice to everybody but their own members. I know that's not the case here, but I'll tell you what draws people to a church is how they treat each other. Have you noticed that? And I saw a lot of love there this morning, and that's really exciting to me too. I'm with you on that. Also, you you found a meeting in the community. They they started meeting not only in church. They weren't just Seventh-day Adventists. They were Seven-day-a-week Adventists. They They didn't just come to church on Saturday. They met together in their homes and prayed together. Small groups. Yeah, a lot of people have trouble getting small groups started. Well, I've got to tell you right now, small groups are impossible without the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that caused those small groups to raise up in that early church. People started to love each other so much, they couldn't wait till next week to see each other. They had to get together to find out how they were doing and pray for one another. It's pretty neat. So community, you see, and courage, the boldness we talked about. Church plants started, conversions, and the gospel was communicated. How many of you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I think all of us would say yes to that. I want to show you two ways to receive the Holy Spirit, two steps to take based on the Bible. And they don't have to be one after the other. They can be, they can be kind of a jump all at the same time, okay? The first thing is very theological. It's very deep. Are you ready for this? If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, this is extremely deep. You've got to ask for him. It's pretty complicated, isn't it? Let's take a look at the Bible here. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to who? Your children. How much more will your Heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who what? ask. Isn't that pretty cool? You know, um, the context of this is very interesting. Jesus told a parable before he gave this little verse. It's an incredible story about a man who was sound asleep in bed. You remember the story? And he hears a pounding on his door. He gets up and there's his buddy from a long ways away who's hungry. And his buddy says, uh, yeah, I need some food. And he's like, oh man, okay, come on in. He goes and opens up the refrigerator and he finds out there's no food in the fridge. He's like, oh no, my buddy's come a long ways. He needs food. I don't have any food. So what does he do? He goes to his neighbor's house. Have you read this story? And he gets there and he pounds on the door. He's pounding on the door and finally the neighbor says, what? He's like, look, I got a friend who's come a long ways away. He needs some food. Can I have some food, please? And they're like, and the Bible says that they would not have given him the food except they kept pounding. He kept pounding. And finally he said, okay, I'll give you some food. And he gave him some food so he could go back and give it to his friend. Here's what the Bible's saying to us. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit... You don't want to receive, the, the, the motivation for receiving the Holy Spirit is not for yourself. A lot of people are like, Holy Spirit, come down on us so we can feel warm fuzzies. No. What he's saying here is if you want the Holy Spirit, you need to be pounding on God's door. I need something a little louder. Lord, I need the Holy Spirit because I got friends living next door who need to hear about the gospel. They desperately need the gospel. Lord, please, give me the Holy Spirit. I can't do it without your power. Amen. That's what it's talking about here. Not saying casually, Lord, give us the Holy Spirit so we can feel good. By the way, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it does feel good. It is so nice to be in the presence of a holy God. And there's no, there's no other place where you're going to feel that kind of condition, conditional love. But here's why. The number one reason we need to be asking is because we do have a burden for the spiritualist running the bookstores. A burden for our friends and family who don't know Jesus. Do you realize that some of your future elders, future evangelists, future deacons, conference officials, they work next to you each, each day. 
but you've never shared the message with them, never given them an opportunity to receive Christ? Do you realize that 93% of unchurched people say today, 93, how about percent? 93. 93% of unchurched people say today they would come to church if they were just invited by a friend or family member. You know what else is interesting? 75 to 85% of members in the Seventh-day Adventist Church today are in the church today because of a friend or family member. That's not all of them. Many of them come as a result of the evangelistic series or other ways, but the majority of them come into the church because of a friend or family member. You know what you should do? Some challenge, I'm challenging myself. I'm going to challenge myself next year is each one, reach one. Just one person next year, lead them to Jesus Christ and bring them into God's, God's church. Just one person. Try just one. Maybe do ten. I don't care. But, but just try, work on one. Amen? And reach one person for that. But I'll tell you, Jesus wants us to, to just be asking him for the bread or the Holy Spirit so that we can minister to those outside. Listen to what Spirit of Prophecy says in Christ Object Lessons, page 139. We are not willing enough to what? Trouble? The Lord with our petitions and ask him for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants us to what? Trouble, Trouble him in this matter. He wants us to press our petitions before the throne. Twice in this passage, she says we need to trouble the Lord. Isn't that interesting? We need to be running up to the Lord in prayer, at prayer meetings, in our small group meetings, and individually saying, Lord, I need bread. Give me bread so I can reach the lost. Trouble him. Just like that man in the house was troubled. Oh, man, come on. This is late. Look at time. It's 2 in the morning. God says, I want you to trouble me in this matter. I want you to ask me persistently for my spirit. I want to share with you some of the things that the Lord has been doing in our, in our churches because I, I just want to share with you. By the way, I've got to tell you that I'm not, the, I'm not the sharpest tool in the tool shed. I'll just tell you right now. In fact, one of the ways I get my members to help me is to tell them how dumb I am. It really helps. They feel like they have to rescue the pastor when I tell them how. Anyway, but um, what we decided to do is I decided when I got there to fire myself and hire the Holy Spirit to be the pastor of the church. And I said, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop asking God to bless what we're doing. We're going to stop it. We're not asking God to bless what we're doing anymore. We can, we're always taking God for a walk. Come on, Lord. We're going this way. Come on. Come on. Sit. Stay. Come on. Lord, bless what we're doing. We're going to do this this year for you, God. We decided not to do that. Instead, we said, Lord, help us to do what you're already blessing. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're already doing in my community. Eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing in our local church and help us to get involved with that. So I said, Lord, help us to have eyes to see what you're doing, ears to hear what you're saying, and a heart that's willing to go where you're leading. That's all we prayed about. And then what we did is we, we tried to protect, then we started protecting the church from hosers. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be a hoser. Here's what happens. The Holy Spirit starts to do something in a church that's turned itself over to God and these little ministries start popping up, but somebody in the church doesn't like that individual or think they're good enough for that position, so they pull out the hose and they put out the fire. That's what you've got to watch out for. You've got to watch out for hosers. So turn to the person next to you one more time and say, don't be a hoser. See, when you start praying for the Spirit of God to come upon your church, He will start raising up people. And sometimes those people He raises up will have tattoos all over their bodies, have a real shaded past, and you'll be like, no, that's not Doug Batchelor. That's not Mark Finley. Lord, we want an evangelist, not a hell's angel. But the Lord will raise up the people He wants. And if you don't put out the fire, you'll find a ministry in your church that'll spread a fire of the gospel around this community. 
So start praying, God, help us to see what you're doing in our community and get involved in that. And quit the ministries that you started and get the ministry started that he's starting. Stop taking God for a walk. Let him take you for a walk for a change. What do you say? Amen. I mean, that's a different way of looking at it. But instead, what does the board sit down? They need to sit down. They sit down together in the church and business session. They say, Lord, what are you doing? Help us to do what you're blessing. And great things can happen because when the Spirit begins to take control, we don't want to hose it off. We've seen some things happen. Like, uh, and, these, and, and the reason I'm telling you all that is because I want you to see that these things spontaneously began to happen in our church. All I did is say, thank you, God. You're making me look smart. Thank you. I said, I'm not that smart. We started a fisherman ministry where we trained all our members to give Bible studies. We've baptized 30 people in a half a year. Our members giving Bible studies. Don't tell me there's not hungry people out in this community that would love to have a Bible study with you. But I'm not telling you so you have to do all these things. I'm just telling you how God worked in our church, okay? Second thing is we started two radio programs. We just happened to have a guy in the church that had connections to the radio program who did editing and stuff, and we started putting our stuff up on the radio. We also had cottage meetings. Instead of uh, small groups, we called them cottage meetings where everybody started meeting in their little, started wanting to get together and meeting in small group. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. This wasn't, we, we didn't just, hey, we're going to do cottage meetings this year. No, we allowed the Lord to spontaneously begin to work within the church, and we just didn't hose it down. New church building, we planted it. We built a brand new church in Bowie. We also started a Spanish church. We started a youth ministry. Remember that, Erica? We really wanted to know how can we reach all the kids that God has been bringing. We don't have a leader. Without a leader, there's no ministry. And we saw people start to rise up who actually loved kids. That's a different sermon. I'll preach that another time. Prison ministry. We saw people really have a passion to reach those in the prisons. And they started prison ministries. And so we're, I just, boy, I tell you, one of the neatest baptisms I've ever had happened about three or four weeks ago where we met with... Um, two um, criminals in maximum security and they came in chained because church members were giving them Bible studies. They were so filled with the Spirit and one of the neat things about the Spirit is when the Spirit comes into your life, you have a passion for lost people. You're not comfortable with them being lost. You're angry that they're being dragged away from God. You get ticked. So these guys were going and giving Bible studies and I get to reap the harvest. I look like, like I'm smart. I didn't do any of that. All my members did that. They went in there. So I, got, I was the only one they were allowed to go into maximum security. And I see these guys shuffle in. I baptized six maximum security guys because of my church members, all right? Because of what the spirit. I'm not even lifting up my church members. I'm saying the spirit of the Lord taking over the church. So we, 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 they come in with their chains and they sit down and their faces are all tattooed up. We had one guy, you know, just skull on, on the side of his face, whole body down here. But he, he accepted the message of Jesus Christ accepted the Sabbath, gave his life to God, and he's got these shiny blue eyes and his beautiful smile. And he's sitting down in this makeshift tank and he's giving his life to Jesus and he's going up and he's coming up out of the water and he's still got chains on, but he's completely free on the inside. Amen. But his eyes are blue because of what God has been doing in his life. He's, he's just excited about the work that Jesus has been doing in his life. That's, that's just what God has been doing, some of the things. We've seen baptisms. One of the things the Lord told me is that I need to stop hog in the baptisms. I need to let my members baptize. I'm waiting for something to come flying at me. No, nothing. All right, I'm safe. We're all friends, aren't we here? Don't worry, I told on myself. I told my conference president, he said, go for it, Gary. It sounds good. But here's, here's why. You know what we do with our members sometimes? Is we, um, we go, down, set, hike. We got the ball. All right, you give a Bible study over there, Joe. All right, pastor. Here you go. He takes it. He's running, so he runs into defense. Boom. Guys are going left and right. He's working really hard. He's sweating, and he gets to the 20-yard line, and bang, the guys are knocking, and he falls down. We have another play. All right, hike, go. 
throw it to him again. He's in the 20, he's in the, the red zone again. He's got serious competition. Bang, bang, he's got it. He's holding the ball. He breaks across the end zone. Just before he breaks across the end zone, his foot is like this. He's about ready to finish the deal. He's led a Bible study. He's gone through tough times. He's answered hard questions. Uh, what else? He's gone through all kinds of stuff. He's stepping up over the, to pass over into the end zone. And I blow the whistle. Time out. Give me the ball. I take the ball, and I cross over and baptize him. Woo! How is that fair? Where in the Bible does it say that pastors are the only ones to baptize? The Bible says the Great Commission. We tell them, yeah, you're supposed to go out and preach the gospel and give Bible studies, but we do the baptisms. It's right there, right there. No, it's not there. So what we do in our church, because we feel it's important that a pastor is present, here's what we do. We make sure that they go through, um, that, that the last class that they have with the person that gives them Bible studies is with the pastor. So we can make sure that they understand what, they're, what, they're, um, what they've studied and then we make sure that when they're done, actually, when they're doing the baptism, I stand outside the baptismal tank, and I say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the member who led the study puts them in the water. It's deep. And then when we're done with that, then we do um, a new members class. So they're in a new members class, and then what we do is we try to get them connected right away in the new members class into a special ministry that fits their gifts. Not a ministry we try to push them on, a ministry that fits their gifts. Either one they can join that's already in process in the church or one they can create on their own. And we're seeing God do some amazing things. But what it's about, it's about, it's about giving the Holy Spirit the pastorate of your church. Being serious about letting him run and guide the, and, and guide in the church. And that's some of the things we're, we're learning. So the first thing you've got to do is what? You've got to, what? Request. Everybody say request. request. Got to ask for the Holy Spirit, not for yourself, but to reach the lost. Next thing is you need to remove Remove any barriers. There is nothing that Satan fears so much as that the people of God shall clear the way by what? Remove. Removing every hindrance so that God can pour out his spirit upon a languishing church and an impenitent congregation. When the way is prepared, the spirit of God, for the spirit of God, the blessing will what? Yeah. Will come. So first thing we've got to do is we've got to request the spirit so we can reach the harvest. Next thing we have to do is we need to remove anything in our, in our church, corporately or individually, that might be stopping the Spirit. There are a lot of things. Uh, I'm just going to share some things that we learned in our church that we need to get rid of. We need to get rid of prayerlessness. You would be amazed at how many church leaders don't attend prayer meeting. It's amazing. And yet in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says that James and John, or Peter and John, they were going to the temple for what? The hour of what? We wonder why. There's a saying, it says this, um, everything rises and falls on leadership. If you don't have praying leaders, you can't expect great things to happen in your church because they will sabotage it. Pastors will do the same thing. And I'm not talking about anybody's pastor. I'm talking about myself. I've done this. I used to have prayer meetings that I never attended. So the prayerlessness we've got to repent of. This, this unwillingness to reach to, get, to come together as a church. Remember, they were in one accord and what? One place. One place Acts chapter 2. We've got to come together, we've got to pray, and allow the Holy Spirit to have control of his churches. So the prayerlessness. Look, look in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Can you read it with me? And being assembled together with them, commanded them, this is Jesus, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized the water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So what do, they, what do they think he meant by wait? Well, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it tells us, these all what? Continued with one accord in prayer 
and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. What you're seeing there is the first prayer meeting. They came together in one place, with one, united with one purpose, to pound on the gates of heaven and ask for the Holy Spirit so they could reach the community. And then the Holy Spirit began to spontaneously began to move within that early church. Some amazing things started to happen if you read that, uh, that early church as a result. So prayerlessness is a big reason. Another reason is ignorance. This is really, this, is, this blew my mind. Do you realize how many times people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it? You know, a lot of Seventh-day Adventist Christians believe that the Holy Spirit is the force from Star Wars. They, they call it an it. They say, Lord, um, send it. And the reason a lot of Christians want the Holy Spirit to be an it, because then they can control it, not them, it control them. But here's what's amazing. 88 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Old Testament. 266 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the New Testament. And yet, we, we don't hear much about the Holy Spirit. We throw the bone to the Holy Spirit every once in a while, but there's not much preaching on it. But I've got to tell you what Sister White says. Sister White says we are living in the dispensation of the Spirit. We are treating the Holy Spirit like the Jews treated Jesus. They went into the synagogue every Saturday. They got the right day, right? And they, they worshiped the Father and ignored the Son. We go to the synagogue or the church on the right day, Sabbath, and we worship the Father and the Son, and we ignore the Spirit. When the Spirit is the one that's here with us, Jesus is working in the sanctuary in heaven, but the Spirit has his work here. He's trying to raise up an army within our local communities to take the gospel to the world, especially the three angels' message. Yet 95% of Christians don't know who the Holy Spirit is, what his purpose, or how to receive him. Here's what blew my mind. Listen to this. 24 times in John 14 through 16, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit with a personal pronoun. And in Acts 5 verse 4, the Holy Spirit is called God. Think about that for a minute. Jesus can be closer to you now than he was with his disciples when he was here. Here's how. Through the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus not only walks with you, but the Holy Spirit will actually come and live inside your body. You know, a lot of people wonder why they're not getting victory in the Christian life. Let me tell you why. Because they got baptized with water, but never got baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's two baptisms. Here's how you live the Christian life. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you invite God, the Holy Spirit, to come and live inside your body, Right? And then when he's inside your body, living inside you, you listen to his voice and you walk in the way he leads you. See, when the Holy Spirit comes inside, he's not like a demon. A demon will come in and possess you and make you do what he wants you to do. The Holy Spirit will come in and give you the choice, the free choice. So you can actually have the Spirit but not walk in the Spirit, which a lot of Christians are doing that. They have the Spirit, but they're not walking in the Spirit. But I believe that God wants us to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not just water, but with also the Holy Spirit. The third reason why I've noticed that um, things that we have to get rid of in our church is living in sin. Now, don't, I, I, don't, I don't mean living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. That's not what I'm talking about here. Living in sin is very simply defined in the Bible as this. James 4, verse 17 says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, but doth it not, to him it is sin. So sin isn't just doing bad things. Sin is refusing to do the good things God has asked us to do. Have you noticed how many churches or experts are doing everything except for what God asks? 
We have great potlucks. Yeah, we've got great carpeting. We've got nice churches. And we're experts at all those things. And they're not evil in themselves at all. But we're neglecting what God has asked us to do. What does He ask us to do in Acts 5, verse 32? And we are His what? Witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that what? The Holy Spirit is given to a church that is serious about doing what God has asked them to do, and that's to reach the lost. You know what? If we're not reaching lost people, we're nothing but a social club. And the Spirit of God will not be poured out on a church that exists only to be a social club. The Spirit of God falls on a church that's excited about reaching lost people, has a passion for lost people. Listen, folks, if I'm not mistaken, 1844 marked the end of time. We've been living on borrowed time since 1844. There's nothing more important. By the way, there's one thing you will not be doing in heaven for all eternity besides sinning. You will not be reaching lost people in heaven. This is your only shot. We don't have another shot after this. This is our hour. This is your time. And God doesn't send you out alone. He promises to fill you with his spirit. And he says after you receive the spirit, you'll be witnesses. So we really need to get serious about that, don't we? Charles Spurgeon had some of these words. I didn't say this. I'm just telling you what Charles Spurgeon says. It says this. Have you no desire? Have you no desire that others might be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. You can be sure of that. When you truly, and actually Ellen White says this too. No sooner does a person come to Christ and is born in their heart a desire what? That others might find that friend that, they, that you found in Jesus Christ. Some of us maybe need to have a conversion experience with God ourselves. Some of us need to get on our knees and say, Lord, I don't have a love for the lost. I've had to do it. I have to do it all the time <laughs> before I get up and preach. I know this is a big confession. Sometimes I have to get on my knees and say, Lord, help me to love these people. <laughs> and when I do an evangelistic series, Lord, help me to love the lost people out there because love is supernatural. It only, the kind of love we're talking about, this agape, unconditional, godly love, is absolutely supernatural. You can only get it from God. So don't be, don't be shocked or, or disappointed or feel discouraged today if you don't have that love for lost people. Because Jesus is more willing to give it to you than you want it. Yeah. And if you just go to him as you are, just like in receiving salvation, go to him as you are to get it, he'll give it to you. If you just go to him and say, Lord, give me a love for lost people. Help me to get angry that the devil's winning, getting ground and not the Lord. I want to leave you with a story. Um, some years ago, a woman came up to a preacher after his, he was preaching a revival series. His name was Finney, famous evangelist preacher. Have you heard this story? You've heard of Finney, right? She came up to him afterward and said, Pastor, you've got to be the pastor of my church because it's so dead. And he said, really? And she goes, yeah, the pastor, he can't preach. He stinks. He's... And all the people are mean. I mean, they're like gossipy. They're just, we need revival. My church is dead, pastor. We need you to come and pastor our church. And the pastor said, well, I've got a solution to how you can actually um, cause your church to come on fire. And she said, how do I do it? And he goes, I'm going to give you a secret. Come here a little closer. So she comes walking over. She's all excited. Oh, great. I'm going to get the, the secret to turning my terrible church around so it's on fire. So she comes over to the pastor. She goes, yeah. Pastor Finney goes, okay. What I want you to do is I want you to go home. She's like, yeah. I want you to go in your room. She's like, yeah. Okay, this is cool. This is mystical. I love it. He goes, I want you to go in your room, and I want you to go inside your closet. She's like, okay. And he goes, I want you to get a piece of chalk. She goes, okay, chalk in my room, in my closet. He said, I want you to go inside the closet, 
And I want you to draw a little circle right inside the closet. She goes, oh, this is so cool. I love this. And he goes, and then I want you to go stand in the circle. And she goes, okay, okay. And then beam me up, Scotty kind of thing is going to happen. He goes, he goes, what I want you to do when you get in that circle, I want you to pray that God revives you first. We want everybody else to get revival, don't we? But you know, it only takes one person contagious to set a whole church on fire. Is that good news? How many of you would like to receive the Holy Spirit today? I want to invite you to come forward right now. We're going to have a special prayer that you will receive the Holy Spirit today. Don't expect any weird things to happen, anything like that. I mean, God can do whatever he wants, but I want to invite you, if you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit today, just come on down. When my boys are going to be singing, I'm going to pray a special uh, blessing. By the way, you know, we're supposed to be asking for the Spirit daily. Did you know that? Every single day when you'd be asking, Lord, I need more bread. But if you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit and uh, would like us to pray for you that you receive the Spirit, come down here and we'll have a special prayer over you. If you've already received the Holy Spirit, then you can pray for the ones that have come up here. <laughs> All right. Even if you received the Spirit, come up here too. You can, we can pray for you. That's okay. And, and you may not feel uh, comfortable coming up. Don't you feel bad at all? You might be sitting in your seat. and Look, I don't want to come up front, but I'd like to receive the Spirit. Just bow your heads with us. Don't feel any, any pressure to come up here. They're going to sing a song. Let's, if, if you're able to kneel, let's do that. If not, just wherever you, however you're comfortable. And then I'll have a little prayer for you. Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds me oh Lord you're beautiful your face is all I seek for when your eyes are on this child your grace abounds to me. I want to take your word and shine it all around. But first, help me just to live it, Lord. And when I do it well, Help me to never seek a crowd For my reward is giving glory to you Amen. Oh Lord, please light the fire That once burned bright and clear replace the lamp of my first love 
that burns with holy fear. I wanna take your word and shine it all around, but first help me just to live it, Lord. And when I do it well, help me to never seek a crowd, for my reward is giving glory to you. Amen. Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Amen. Father, here we are. We've come forward. Some of us can't come forward. We're sitting in, our, in the pews right now. But Lord, each of us have a desire in our hearts to be filled with your spirit. We don't understand everything that, that entails, but we are, we are committed to discovering more and more of what you want to do through us, Lord, and in our community. Jesus, I ask that you will pour your spirit, the person of your Holy Spirit, upon everyone who's come forward, whether walking up here or in their hearts today. And I pray that you'll fill us, Jesus. We want to be filled, overflow with a compassion for lost people. Lord, if we're, if we're tempted to be hosers of other people's ministries, help us to, to stop. But Lord, if you're raising up someone here in this church or others in this church to do various ministries or help with ministries, help them not to delay longer, Lord. Help them to, to walk in the Spirit and, and be led by you as you want to lead them. Father, I want to pray that you'll, you'll break the hold on this community, Lord, the spiritualism and the occultic hold on this community and set people free and use this army that's here today, Lord, to begin to, to run missions across enemy lines with, the message, with your message, Jesus, and empower them and bless them, God. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of preaching here and bless this church family in your name, amen.